about a, to me, a very interesting subject, a very fascinating subject, but yet it's a subject on which all people do not agree, which that's not surprising. But I will say at the very beginning of this message, uh, I, I personally do not consider this a salvation issue. By that, what I mean is, you don't have to believe this exactly the way I teach it to go to heaven. Uh, but I do believe that what I'm fixing to show you is biblical and that it is right. And so tonight we're going to talk a little while about the subject of the doctrine of future recognition. Future recognition. In other words, what we're saying is, will we recognize one another in heaven? Have you ever thought about that? Will we recognize one another in heaven? You know, some say no because... Well, if we, if we did recognize one another and we was in heaven and we realized that our friends and our loved ones didn't make it to heaven, then that would cause us to be very sad. We'd have a lot of sorrow. The invitation number is 453, 453. And so the Bible does say in Revelation 21 verse 4, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And so to those that say, no, I don't believe we'll recognize one another, because if we do recognize one another and we see those we love are not there, then we know where they will be, and that would cause us great sorrow. But there are others that say, yes, we will recognize one another in heaven and they live every day longing to go there so that they can be with their departed loved ones and friends. And they would go to passages probably like 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 18 where Paul talks about the resurrection and then after he talks about the second coming of Jesus and how those that uh, die in the Lord will go, will be together. He then closes that chapter in verse 18 saying, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And so, in that sense, it would be comforting to know that those who die in Christ will be together someday in heaven recognizing one another. Can we really know which view is correct? I do know this, that the soul longs for assurance of a happy reunion beyond the door of death with part departed loved ones and diligently searches for evidence in the scriptures that such a longing is not just a delusion or a dream or some fable. Heaven would mean so much more to us if we knew for sure that we would know one another in heaven. However, it might would take away some from the joy of heaven if we did not recognize one another in heaven. But what is the answer? What, what does the Bible teach on the matter? What does it have to say? Well, there, it's one of those subjects where it doesn't say a lot of things directly. But you have to put scripture with scripture and, and come to a, uh, an answer. And so if the answer is no, and tonight this really is food for thought for all of us. But if the answer is no, and there is no recognition in heaven, do you realize that we will be among total strangers in heaven? Every memory that we now possess will be erased 
And every bond that we have here will be severed. I'm not that good with strangers. I'm not comfortable with strangers. But that is basically what it would be like if we do not know one another, then we're in heaven with, uh, with a bunch of strangers. Can you imagine living with, with your earthly grandparents or your parents or your children or your siblings, your brothers and sisters in Christ, perhaps the ones that converted you and those that you've converted along the way, and you're living with them in heaven, but, but you're all strangers? You don't even know your own family members? They're all strangers. Everyone's a stranger because, you see, we don't recognize anyone in heaven. So that makes everyone strangers. Paul said to the church at Thessalonica, and this really wouldn't make sense if we don't recognize one another. He said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19, to them, for what is our hope, our joy, our crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? And so it looks to me like he's saying, look, we're going to be rejoicing because, because of you and the godly lives that you've lived. We've, we've taught you and influenced you, and you're going to be rewarded with heaven. And so that's going to give us, you're the, you're the crown, you're the pinnacle of our rejoicing. But if they didn't recognize one another, it probably wouldn't mean that much, would it? If there's no recognition in heaven, then there's no memory in heaven. You see, I can't remember who you are. Sometimes it's like that down here, isn't it? Especially with names. It's like, uh, what's your name? And uh, you don't have to be old to have that problem, by the way. I've had it all of my life. My memory's always been short. Matter of fact, one of my good friends in Christ used to use me as an example of one who can preach without a memory. Some people can remember every detail of everything. And fortunately, I can. I think that's a blessing for me. But I know this. There will be a memory. We will have memories in heaven. Because passages like Matthew 7, 22. You know, you have the judgment scene there. And 21, verse 21, Jesus said, Not everyone said to me, Lord, Lord, share the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. But then he says, And many will say to me in that day. On the day of judgment. Have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? You see, even after this life, there is still a connection with this life in the sense that you still remember what you did while you was on earth. God's not going to give you a blank slate. He's not going to erase your memory. You still have a memory. You still remember those things. In Revelation chapter 6, John wrote about some that had been martyred for the cause. And in verse 9 and 10 of Revelation 6, he says, When he had opened the fifth seal, he said, I saw under the altar the souls of them, notice the souls of them that were slain for the word of God. And for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? You see, they had a memory. They were aware of their surroundings. And they knew what had happened on earth. And they knew what had happened to them on earth and why it had happened. 
Luke 16. Of course, some folks call it a parable. Some say it's not. I personally don't believe it's a parable. But if it is, it still teaches the same message. But you remember in verse 25, the Bible says, But Abraham said, here's the key, Son, remember. That's what he said to that rich man that had died and, and lifted up his eyes in torment. He was begging for mercy and, and a dip of cool water to be placed on his tongue. And Abraham said, son, remember. Wait a minute, I thought you couldn't remember anything. How are you going to recognize people? Well, I don't remember anything. I can't recognize anyone. But he said, son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thou good things and likewise Lazarus evil things but now he is comforted and thou art tormented in other words remember how it was back there his memory was very sharp wasn't it oh he remembered he remembered so much so that when he realized that he couldn't get out of his situation you remember in verse 27 and 28 of the same chapter he said I pray thee therefore father that thou wouldst send him talking about Lazarus to my father's house for I have five brethren that they may testify, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Now he didn't know exactly what they were doing. In the book of Ecclesiastes, the Bible clearly teaches that the people in heaven don't know what's going on down here. They can't see us. That cloud of witnesses that we read about in Hebrews chapter 12, people try to say, oh, you know, grandma and grandpa's up there in the clouds and they're looking down. That's not what that's talking about. That cloud of witnesses, those witnesses are the ones mentioned in the previous chapter, chapter 11, who are witnesses to the fact that one can walk by faith and please God. But the dead know nothing at all, meaning they don't know what we're doing right now. They don't know what's going on down here. They know what was going on. They remember how it was when they were here, but they don't know what's going on right now. That's what that passage is teaching. And so I know that in the next life we can still remember, and there's that connection between where we are, will be then, and knowing what things were like when we were here on earth in these physical bodies. But also, the main argument really that I see against this future recognition is that if we know that some of our loved ones were not in heaven, if we knew that, then it would really rob us of some of the joy of heaven. And of course, the verse that is used quite often is Revelation 21.4, where God talks about no sorrow, no tears in heaven. But if you really stop and think about that argument, just for a minute, this argument does not really solve the difficulty but rather, doesn't it increase the problem? And this is what I mean by that. If we are unable to recognize any of our loved ones, then we would be uncertain if any of them made it to heaven. And therefore, we would be worried about all of them. Isn't that good logic? If we don't recognize them, then we don't know if any of them made it. If I do recognize them, I'm going to know that some didn't make it, but I won't worry about the other. But if I have no memory, I don't know if my mom's there, my dad's there, my wife's there, my grandbaby's there, my children. I won't know. So I'd be, I'd be worried about all of them, wouldn't I? And so that would create more sorrow, not less sorrow. So 
following this line of reasoning, all of your family members could actually be in heaven, but since you cannot recognize them, you would be worried about all of them, even though they're in heaven, but you don't know it. This view also assumes that we will ignore, once we get to heaven, the obedient life that one must live today to inherit heaven and that our God and that our loved ones chose not to live it. You see, we know that our God is a righteous judge, right? He is now, he always has been, he always will be. God's always going to do what's right because he's God. We know that now, and we'll know that then. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, Paul said, after he talked about his departure was near, he said, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me in that day. And not to me only, but to all them that love his appearing. We understand that today. We know that there is a way that man must live his life in order to prepare for a heavenly home. And if he chooses not to live that life, he's going to be lost and damned into a, in a devil's hell. We understand that. In heaven, we will clearly see that those who are not in heaven do not, and this may sound harsh, but they do not deserve to be there. Because they chose error over truth. They chose not to obey God's word. You see, the time to be sorrowful is now for them. The time to shed your tears is now. The time to pray for them is now. The time to try to study with them and teach them is now. To try to convince them to turn from their evil ways and accept the gospel of Jesus Christ and be obedient is now. Because we know if they do not turn to God and obey the gospel, follow the word, they're going to be lost. We know if we do not stay true to the word of God, we'll be lost. Therefore, if you get to heaven and you don't see my cup there, don't you cry for me. Because I made that decision. I made it. If my children don't want to go to heaven, that's their choice. Well, I, am, am I sad today if they don't make the right decisions? Yes, very sad. And will I strive to do whatever I can to convince them to, to turn and do that which is right? Yes, of course. But when I get to heaven, if they're not there, that's on them. Now's the time to shed tears. Now's the time to have sorrow. Now's the time to work with those that we love and those that are our friends and people that we're around. Now's the time. Because when we get to heaven, we know the ones who have lived the life that God has commanded and has made possible for us, we'll know that the ones that are not there chose not to live that life. And the ones that will be there will be the ones who made the decision as Joshua and his household to serve the Lord. That they made that decision and they suffered, denied themselves. They took up their cross and they followed Jesus. They will be there. Now, if the answer is yes, 
and there is future recognition, then every time that a child or a faithful member of the Lord's church dies, we have one more reason to live for Jesus so we can go to heaven. If there is no recognition in heaven, what do these passages mean? Jesus said in Matthew 8 verse 11, that many shall come from the east and from the west and shall sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Well, if I'm going to heaven to sit down beside a stranger that I don't even know and won't know, then what comfort is that to me? But since I have read about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I want to recognize them, don't you? Don't you want to sit with those, those worthies of old and, and talk to them? And, and, because we know so much about their lives. Don't you want to meet them? They won't be like strangers to us. They'll be like, other, like members of the church. You'll meet them as you're like we've always known each other. Don't you want to talk to Paul? Peter? Mary? Different ones? Oh, yes. That, that's part of the joy of being able to go to heaven. In Genesis chapter 25, verse 8, when Abraham died, this is how it is described. Then Abraham gave up the ghost and died in his old age, an old man and full of years, and was gathered to his people. Well, that's not talking about his body. You know, when you die, that's that separation. James 2, verse 26, where, the, where you, the spirit, leaves the body. You see, you are a spirit with a body. You're not a body with a spirit. You see, this is just our earthly tabernacle, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, which is going to, by the way, be changed in the resurrection. But you are a spirit, and so when you die, your spirit returns to God who gave it. Your body goes back to the dust from whence it came. That's death. Think about, think about what David said. You remember when David slept with Bathsheba, she conceived, and then God said the baby's going to die? And you remember while the baby was sick, he, he wouldn't eat, he wouldn't, he wouldn't talk, he wouldn't bathe, he wouldn't shave, he wouldn't do anything. He was, he was praying and he was, he was pleading and begging God to save the child. So when the baby died, his servants were afraid to go tell him, he's a king, he can have you killed. They had another reaction in mind that they were going to receive from him. But when they said the child is dead, he got up and cleaned himself up. Got ready to eat. They didn't understand that. But in verse 23 of 2 Samuel chapter 12, this is what David said. But now he is dead. Wherefore shall I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. To me, that's one of the most comforting passages in the Bible. One of my favorite to say, you know what? I've got a grandbaby up there. Juniper Wren. I want to see that baby. You know, here, here's David. He is all tore up. He's in, he's in an awful shape. And he's doing everything he can to try to get God to bless him and, and that child to live. But once the babies die, he gets up and goes on with business. Because he says, I can't bring him back. He's dead. But I can sure go be with that child. 
But what would that mean if David doesn't recognize his son? It's no big deal. There'd be a lot, a lot of children have died, and you know, people will be there, and if they're all just strangers, how, how could that be comforting? Oh, no. Oh, no. That passage wouldn't really mean anything, would it, if they're just all strangers up there? And I think about Paul over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. This is also a passage that we use at funerals on a regular basis because it's very comforting. When Paul said to the church there in verse 13, he said, But I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep or dead, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain to the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or precede, go before them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and, the trump of, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. You see, these folks thought that the Lord's coming was imminent. They had this false idea that the Lord was about to come just any day and he was going to come and take all those that were alive and the dead, their dead loved ones that had died in Christ were going to be left behind. Paul said, oh, I don't want you to think like that. That's not the way it's going to be. No, when the Lord comes, he's coming to get those that are dead in Christ Jesus and those that are alive. Notice in verse 16 again, he says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. That resurrection of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. To me, that's very encouraging. My loved ones that have died faithful in the Lord, when that trumpet sounds, their new, they're going, their new bodies are going to come forth out of that ground. Their spiritual bodies are heavenly bodies. And they're going to enter into those heavenly bodies and if we are alive, our bodies will be changed in a moment, the twinkling of an eye. And we'll be called up together with them. We'll be united once again. We'll meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Isn't it wonderful that he says, so shall we ever be with the Lord? And what that means is, in heaven, of course, there's no dying and there's no more separation. You see, dying is temporary. That's here. That separation, that's here. That's something that I don't like about this, this life, but it's a necessary thing. Actually, it's a good thing when you look at the outcome. But it's tough when you're here and you're saying goodbye to those that you love. But if they're faithful in Christ or they're little children, you know you'll see them again if you'll be faithful to the end, Revelation 2.10. Luke chapter 16 again, verse 22-23. The rich man Lazarus, the story that's told there. It says, It came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried and lift up his eyes 
being in torment, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. We've already pointed out that we will have our memories in the hereafter. But I want you to notice right here, this beggar had never seen Abraham, but he saw Abraham, and he saw the beggar. He recognized them. That was after he had died and been buried. I even think about Peter and those that were with him at Mount Transfiguration. In Matthew chapter 17, verse 4, the Bible says, Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. You know, while Peter was alive, he saw two men that he had never seen in his whole lifetime. They had lived hundreds of years before Peter was ever born. But when Peter saw them, he said, there's Moses and there's Elijah. If anything, our recognition will be better than it is now. God will enlighten us when this life is over. He will give us more knowledge and more understanding and more recognition than we have today in these old earthly bodies. I look forward to having my new body, number one, but I look forward to knowing things that I don't know now. Knowledge is a great thing, but I certainly would be disappointed if I get to heaven and you're right there beside me and I don't know who you are. You're just like a stranger. Oh, no. We've spent several years together. I've been here about 20 years. We've had our ups and we've had our downs. We've had our good times and not so good times. We've studied together. We've fellowshiped together. We've worked the community together. We've served one another together. We've loved each other. I don't want to forget those memories. Oh, no. If you go before me when my time comes, I want you to know I'm looking you up. And I hope you're looking for me. And if I get there ahead of you, I'll be over there waiting for you when you come. So I personally believe, looking at these scriptures and putting them all together, there's others we could notice if we had more time. I do believe the Bible teaches future recognition. I believe that one of the greatest joys of heaven will be our reunion with those that we loved while we were here in this earth, on this earth. We have comfort knowing that our separation that we have now is only for a short time. We know how quickly the years just pass by. I know they don't get faster, but it seems like they do every year. Every birthday seems to come sooner. It's amazing how short our lives are here. So, it's just going to be a moment. And we're all going to be gone from here. But that's not a bad thing. That's good. Because we're going to be with all the redeemed of all ages. Brother Richard has told me several times about an illustration of death that, that helped him a lot when his son Richard Wayne passed away. And he said, and I can't say it exactly like he did, he can tell you more accurately, but he pictures it like 
a ship that's out on the water and and when your loved one passes away you that loved one is placed on that ship and and you say you know your goodbyes and and what have you and as that ship goes across that water he gets to the other side there's people here that's crying and grieving and missing them but on the other shore on the opposite shore there are all those loved ones and godly people that lived throughout the ages that are waiting there to greet and welcome your loved one to his or her new home and really there's a that's a pretty good illustration and when we see it that way, we know that it won't be long, you'll be on that ship, and I'll be on that ship. And people will be missing us here, but we'll be looking ahead to those who are waiting there on the shore to greet us. All those good and godly people that you've known over the years, they'll be there to see you again. I told Richard just this morning that... There's more people from the Fairhope Church of Christ in heaven right now than there are in this building, I guarantee you. There's more of the church at Fairhope up there waiting on that shore. i tell you one thing. I'd hate to get to heaven and not know my mom and dad or my wife or my family or you. That's a little depressing, isn't it? Oh, no. I firmly believe that the Bible teaches we're going to know one another in heaven. And every time someone else gets there, it's going to be a great reunion. I believe there's going to be great joy and happiness. And so the choice is ours. You know, every one of us, while we're alive, we choose either to serve God or not serve God. That's what's most important for us right now. That's the main thing. Knowing, some, knowing those that are in heaven, being able to recognize them, that's just, those are like bonus points. That's just more motivation. But we already have enough, even if we didn't know people when we got there. If that were the case, we still are motivated because we want to be with Jesus and with God. We want to be with the one who died for us that we might live. And we certainly don't want to be in hell where that old rich man is. We want to be in that place of comfort, rest, and peace. And so tonight, the choice is yours and mine. You see, as you've heard it said many times, there are three votes that will be cast. God's already cast his vote, and that was for us to be in heaven with him. The devil cast his vote. He wants us in hell where he'll be. There's one more vote to be cast, and that's yours. It's like the tiebreaker. You get to decide. Whether you will be in heaven or hell based on how you choose to live. If you're here this evening and you haven't obeyed the gospel, please do so. Don't miss out. Don't miss out. Believe with all your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He proved it with many infallible proofs. Act 1-3. There's no way that anyone should ever doubt that Jesus is indeed the Christ, the Son of the living God. Repent of all your sins. When you have one so great and marvelous and wonderful that's willing to do what he did and did do those things, you should want to humbly submit and bow down to him and worship him and be with him. Change your lives. Confess him before men. That is, with your mouth, confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. 
In Philippians chapter 2, the Bible teaches clearly that on that last day, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And then be baptized because he commanded it. Mark 16, 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Have you obeyed the gospel? If not, why not? And then for those that have, remain faithful. Stay true to God and know that one day, you will be on the other side. And you'll get to enjoy all the blessings and glory of heaven. If you're here and you need to respond, won't you come? As together we stand and sing.